We'd like to welcome you to our four, part four of our, our current event and weekly Bible study for April 6, 2014. I am going to try to get through the rest of the study. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be successful. I've got about an hour and 21 minutes until this last part expires. My, my voice recorder gets maxed out. I like to try to get the, my teachings within that because then I have to re-upload and it just kind of breaks the flow up a lot if I don't get it all done. So, let's see if we can get through this. Um, we're going to talk about this Ebola thing that we've been seeing more and more in the news lately. Talk about that. First report is a terrifying terrifying fight against the deadliest virus on Earth. The medic reveals the true horror story of the Ebola outbreak. Um, as incurable disease, as this incurable disease liquefies the victims from the inside. So, this is some... Bad stuff here. A medic has spoken of the horrific scenes witnessed by the emergency doctors and nurses in the fight against the deadly Ebola virus in uh, Guinea. Guinea. Um, Naful Dridi, who works with the humanitarian charity MSF, described the suffering by patients struck down by the tropical virus and the difficulties facing aid workers as they attempt to treat those suffering. He has been helping to coordinate the charity's relief work in the West African country and said that in his 13 years of working with MSF, he has never had to cope with the number of deaths in such a short space of time. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of pictures here that I, I kind of included here. This picture is health specialist work in the isolation ward for the MSF um, uh, charity. The number of suspected cases in Guinea... Guinea, uh, has now reached 122 at the time of the writing here, and at least 80 people are believed to have died. So it's got a pretty high kill rate. You can be helping someone by getting them a juice or a glass of cold water or whatever he wants, because you know, really, he has very little chance to survive. And then an hour later, he's dead, Mr. Dreedy told the Daily Telegraph. Uh, then, when you are putting his body in the bag, another one behind you has then died as well. Another one and another one. Ebola is passed from humans to animals, uh, onto humans from animals, especially fruit bats, and often breaks out near rainforests in Central and Western Africa. Here's more pictures of these treatment centers. MSF. Uh, staff have been wearing full protective clothing to help prevent the spread of the disease and, and have made it clear to the local medics that there are no drugs to treat the virus. So they're basically saying there's nothing that treats this. Now, I beg to differ, but from a medical standpoint, this is what they're saying. Patients who develop the severe acute virus are often suddenly, and I'll get into that later um, as far as protocols, Patients who develop the severe acute virus are often suddenly subjected to fever, muscle pain, headaches, and sore throats, followed by vomiting, diarrhea, rashes, impaired kidney and liver function. In some cases, sufferers experience both internal and external bleeding, and the highly contagious and painful illness can be passed on to humans through contact with the bodies of people killed by the virus. There is no cure for the virus and no vaccine which can protect against it. At least not yet, supposedly. Not to say any vaccine would ever be what I would ever advise, but... They're basically saying that, you know, it's kind of, it, it's very high li likelihood of death sentence. And, and I think, yeah, without any type of treatment, it's probably correct. Uh, the Ebola outbreak is the first of its kind in West Africa in two decades, and the first ever in Guinea. 
Uh, other Western African countries, including neighboring Sierra Leone and Liberia, where sus- suspected cases have also been detected, are now scrambling to bring the outbreak under control, many of them imposing health and travel restrictions. Morocco has imposed strict controls to stop the disease spreading into the country, and Saudi Arabia's health ministry is recommending that the government stop issuing visas to the Muslim pilgrims from Guinea and Liberia. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, from visiting its, I call them unholy sites, it's from the Muslim pilgrims. Anyway, they know that we can only treat the symptoms and not the virus. Whether that person survives or not is down to whether, how the body reacts and fights the illness. Mr. Dridi, who now has returned to the MSF headquarters in Switzerland. Um, MSF, and that's the charity helping them have warned they face an uphill task to battle the virus because the infections are scattered across several locations, most worryingly in Guinea's densely populated capital, Conakry. MSF General Director General Jockham said that it was remarkable that the outbreak had spread to several places and to a city of around 2 million people. These characteristics make it an exceptional event for an Ebola outbreak up until today, Mr. Jockham said, adding that given that the high mortality rates among identified cases, it should be taken extremely seriously. And, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doubting that at all, because this stuff is really bad news. Um, there's a picture here at the, at the bottom of the article of this report on what the actual virus looks like under a microscope. Okay, and I'm going to come back to that later. But Liberia's Senate on Tuesday agreed that the government should declare a state of emergency that would lead to the closure of the country's borders. Liberia should close their borders with all three countries which are sharing borders with us, Guinea, Sierra Leone, and the Ivory Coast, said Senator Sando Johnson. So, I mean, this is a uh, a pretty big deal, what's going on over there. Now, the next report is entitled, The Ebola Outbreak is Spreading, Pray to God It Doesn't Hitch a Ride to the West. The Ebola outbreak in Guinea has reached the capital, Conakry. The strain has been confirmed as the Ebola Zare, which is the worst of the five known strains. It has an 80 to 90% fatality rate. And then they list the other strains and what their fatality rates are. And Ebola Zare is by far, you know, a bigger killer than any of the other strains. Um, with an incubation time between 4 and 21 days, the amount of infected people is considerable. Public transport is often overloaded, and crowding living conditions give the disease ample opportunity to spread. And they show a picture of what somebody's hand would look like uh, here, uh, one of the pictures, and um, hemorrhagic rash appears over the entire body. Just red welts, big red welts over the entire body, hemorrhagic. You could bleed from the eyes, you can bleed from the ears, you can bleed from the skin. Very hemorrhagic, like it's, it's also kind of under the guise of a hemorrhagic fever, okay? Which is also very much like the H7N9 hemorrhagic bird flu that I was talking about not too long ago that the government in America has been gearing up for. So it seems like a lot of these new pandemic potentials are of a hemorrhagic fever, and they have that component to them, where you're bleeding out of like every orifice and through your skin and all this other stuff. It's it's really bad news. Um, 
So they're saying the, the fatality rate of the current outbreak is 63%. It, it, according to those numbers I just read, I think it's more than 63 but um, anyway, Ebola can be passed in all body secretions, including sweat, and can be passed to people via inappropriate handling of corpses, uh, can be passed via wildlife, either by biting or scratching injury, or by eating an infected animal. What governments, in, in other words, they're saying it cannot be passed through airborne yet. We'll talk about that in a second. What governments and clinicians fear is a person incubating Ebola, traveling through an international airport, and infecting people from around the globe before boarding their flight, with the average incubation taking 16 days, tracing contacts of an infected individual would be a logistical nightmare. Many people believe that it would be an impossible task as airports only hold names of those booked on flights, not friends and relatives who are seeing them and thousands of others um, on their journeys. After three decades in the healthcare environment, I am not easily scared by bacteria and viruses. This is the author talking here. Out of the diseases that are capable of doing us harm, Ebola scares me the most. In fact, it terrifies me. If there is just one confirmed case in the UK, me and mine are in lockdown until I am certain there are no further cases. Now, there was more of an update on this last report here. <clears throat> It just came out, uh, I think, yesterday, and it said, Angry Mob Attacks Treatment Center. Um, this was in Conakry in Guinea. It said, An angry mob attacked a treatment center in Guinea on Friday where the staff of MSF, which is the, the uh, charity that we talked about earlier, they were working to contain an outbreak of the deadly Ebola virus, forcing it to shut down because the, the crowd attacked the treatment center. Which is weird. Why would you want to mess with a treatment center? I mean... Number one, you're going to attack it, you could potentially get infected. And why would you want to attack the center that was supposedly helping to contain it and give comfort to the people that had it? Do they know something we don't know? Is what my, my mind is. I'm like, why, on all things, would you want to attack that place? I mean, it's not like they're in there giving them at least not that we're aware of, like vaccines or something, or something that's making it worse. But again, what? Well, maybe they know something we don't know. I don't know. It just I thought that was very strange. You know, um, they had to shut down this medical charity uh, because they, they crowds attacked the treatment center. We have evacuated all our staff and closed the treatment center, said Sam Taylor uh, from Reuters, adding that the attackers in Macenta have accused MSF of bringing the disease to the southeastern town. Huh. Wow. They're accusing essentially some medical charity of actually being the ones that brought it there. Weird. I'm going to talk about that more in a second. goes on to say, we have full support of the local leaders and we're working with the authorities to try to resolve this problem as quickly as possible so we can start treating people again. He said, declining to give further details of the incident. Hmm, weird. I wonder if this has anything to do with like what they did in the Spanish flu of 1918-1919, where the vaccines are what actually caused the actual Spanish flu of 1918-1919, which killed, I would say, conservatively 50 million people worldwide. It had a lot to do with, um, well, it had a lot to do with, obviously, world events that were happening, happening at the time. And that the, the people that got the vaccines were hale and hearty one minute, and the next day they, they had died of what it looked like the Black Death. These are eyewitness testimonies that have been repressed in the history books, but are still out there. 
And I reported all of this on my, my presentation, The Avion Flu, and I'll give you a link to that. Um, the actual presentation I did in um, Wichita, Kansas, um, back in 06. So you can actually see that if you want. Now, it got me really thinking, all of this really got me thinking, and I believe the Lord convicted me of this, of that show Outbreak. So let me give you a little description of this movie. Outbreak is a 1995 American medical disaster film directed by Wolfgang Peterson. This film stars Dustin Hoffman, Rene Russo, Morgan Freeman, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., Kevin Spacey, Donald Sutherland, and Patrick Dempsey. And I don't even think that's listed everybody. I mean, this was a really star-studded cast. It wasn't like <clears throat> the greatest as far as um, <clears throat> high budget. It wasn't really like that. Um, but it really had some big stars in it. And it says the film focuses on an outbreak of a fictional Ebola-like virus called Mutaba in Zaire, a, and later in a small town in the United States where it had spread to. Outbreak's plot speculates how far the military and civilian agencies might go to contain the spread of a deadly contagion. <clears throat> so, in the movie, well, here, let me let me give you a little more history first before I go back into the movie. Let me give you a little history on Ebola. Because I really felt convicted to look into this further. Uh, <clears throat> considering this outbreak show is so similar to what we're actually seeing now in Africa. Okay? I mean, literally Ebola's over there, now there's all of these cases, they're worried about it spreading over the borders, just like in this movie. And the symptomatology is almost exactly the same. Bleeding sores, hemorrhagic fever, bleeding from the eyes, bleeding from the, from the ears, same thing, it's just that they call it Motaba in the movie, but it's an Ebola-like virus, just like in the movie. And in fact, in the movie, when they show a uh, the microscopic picture of it, it looks incredibly similar to this Motaba virus. The, um, to what Ebola, the Motaba virus in the film looks incredibly similar to what Ebola looks like. And I gave you a picture of that earlier in the, uh, earlier in the presentation. <clears throat> now, the Ebola virus got its name from a river in the Democratic Republic of Congo, formerly Zaire in Africa where it was first recognized. The Ebola virus first emerged in 1976 in outbreaks of Ebola, hemorrhagic fever in Zaire and the Sudan. Isn't that funny? Because in the movie, Outbreak, this Mutaba virus um, is, uh, breaks out in Zaire. And in the real life, the Ebola virus actually first broke out in 1976 in Zaire and the Sudan. So it's funny, it's kind of very, very similar in um, that regard. The strain of Ebola that broke out in Zaire has one of the highest case fatalities of any human pathogenic virus, roughly 90% kill rate, and that's what's broken out now. That's the same strain that broke out in 1976 in Zaire is the same strain that's breaking out now, and coincidentally, in the movie Outbreak, it's, it's the, it's broke, the, the outbreak starts in Zaire. But they just call it Motaba. But it looks almost the same under a microscope as Ebola. 
Okay, remember how I said the Illuminati telegraphed their punches? You're seeing a lot of parallels here as I'm going through this. Now, the exact origin, locations, and natural habitat of the Ebola virus remain unknown. However, on the basis of available evidence in the nature of similar viruses, researchers believe that the virus is animal-borne and is normally maintained in an animal host that is native to the African continent. In the show Outbreak, they don't really say at the beginning, the first thing, where they firebomb this whole village. They literally use what they call a fuel bomb that vaporizes this village, kills every single person in it. But after that, they show monkeys that have contacted the virus as incubators scurrying away. <clears throat> and then it rears its ugly head in the modern day, and that's where the whole outbreak show starts from. Kind of. Not not starts from, but it can, continues from that point. Okay, um, <clears throat> So the monkeys were the vector or the carrier for it <clears throat> in the, in the uh, show outbreak. Ebola research scientists continue to search for exact the exact animal host. The Philippines was the source of an Ebola virus outbreak that reached the U.S. shores in 1989. But that outbreak was confined to monkeys imported from the Philippines. So again, now we have the monkey parallel, which is also what the, the parallel, the exact parallel they presented in the film outbreak. <clears throat> it was actually... Uh, confined to monkeys imported from the Philippines and held in quarantine center in Reston, Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C. That was what the whole show outbreak was about, finding this one monkey that had been smuggled out of, I believe it was probably a quarantine area, and sold to this guy that owned this, uh, he was trying to sell to a guy that owned a pet store, but the guy didn't want it. A monkey ended up biting him, infecting the other guy. The guy got on a plane, and then he <clears throat> infected his girlfriend when he saw her in Boston, and then it's, and then uh, the guy at the pet shop that got infected because he got scratched by the monkey, they get him into the hospital and they draw his blood. And as they're drawing the blood, the, the lab technician messes up. And as the as the uh, as the um, the beakers of blood are spinning down, he like puts his hand in there, like you know, <laughs> like he's not paying attention, and the blood goes everywhere. He gets infected, but he actually gets a strain of it that is airborne, meaning he can spread it via coughing. And then the classic scene where he goes into the movie theater and he coughs and it shows the the um, <clears throat> the atomization of his coughing going down another lady's throat. She breathes that same air in and then, she, and then the whole town gets infected. And that's the town of Cedar Creek. I don't know if it's a fictional town in... Pacific Southwest, right near the coast. And then the whole town, they put the whole town on lockdown, and then essentially they want to fuel bomb that town too. And again, all of this is, is portrayed in the show like, you know, Dustin Hoffman is the big savior here. And But the true intention of the military, of the people that at the top of the food chain is they want to annihilate the whole town. Um... So, anyway, uh, let's go further. The film raised various what-if scenarios, and subsequently media outlets began to question what the government would really do in a similar situation, and, and if the CDC has plans in case of an outbreak ever does occur. The real-life outbreak of the Ebola virus occurred in Zaire only a few months after the film was released. Wow. 
a real-life outbreak in Zaire actually happened, just like it had happened originally there. Hmm. Weird timing. Donald Sutherland, the guy that plays the ultimate bad guy in the show, is... I mean, he's just portrayed as just pure evil, essentially. And even though Dustin Hoffman ends up getting a... Basically, they find the original monkey who has, I think they can derive natural immunity from him. I don't think it's a vaccine they create. It's some type of serum that they create, maybe from the antibodies from the monkey. I don't know. And they create this, even though they have this, where they can save the whole town, Donald Sutherland still wants to firebomb the whole town. And Dustin Hoffman says the reason for that is, well, not only is that he's psychopathic, which most people, I believe, at, at you know ultra-high-level government are that way. I think, I think the Illuminati was telegraphing their punches. But also, they were trying to preserve this weapon. They wanted to be able to have this weapon for use. If they ever needed to get into a biological warfare-type scenario. And if they had the cure... If the cure was made public, then the weapon is of no use anymore. So it was worth it to Donald Sutherland to firebomb, kill every single person in this town. All like I don't know at that point how many people were left. Let's say a couple thousand. It was worth it to him that they would be able to preserve this weapon. And I'm sure his handlers above him were, they gave the green light. Rather than cure the 2,000 people that could still be cured, or however many it was, they wanted them to die, even though they had the cure, because it was worth it for them to have this biological weapon that there would be no cure to, no known cure. Very, very sick. You know, and then, you know, Dustin Hoffman comes in the end, is the, you know, he, he overcomes like 5,000 obstacles. Like, you know, he just needed an S on his chest, is really the only thing that was lacking, you know, like he's Superman or something. And he overcomes all of these obstacles, you know, helicopter battles, and I mean, all of this garbage. And finally, finally, finally overcomes the bad guy in the end and prevails in, in, in you know, that type of scenario. Um, but I believe it does show a lot of telegraphing of how far the military will go uh, to accomplish what they're what they're going to uh, want to do in a situation like that. And it's just funny because, you know, now we have this situation developing in Africa. I don't know where it's going to end up, but I really... Let's just look at the rest of the information that you have, and you're going to understand why, how this all ties together, and, and how big of a potential deal this may end up being. Like I said, I've been waiting since 2006 for something like this to go down. I thought it was going to be avian flu, H5N1. I don't know, maybe it's going to be H7 and 9, maybe it's going to be some derivation of the swine flu and the bird flu, or maybe it's going to be this. I don't know, maybe it's going to be a combination thereof. But I know one thing, they want to reduce world population to 500 million, and this would be the obvious, greatest way to do it. You know, better than any other scenario that, that I could possibly think of. Because if you create a sick global population, they are going to be desperate. They're going to turn in their guns. A lot of them will. A lot of them are going to do whatever it takes in order to get the supposed cure. But as I've said about these supposed vaccinations, (laughs) the uh, supposed cure from them is most likely going to be far worse than the disease is ever going to be. So, let's look at that a little further. 
U.S. licensing live rabies-based Ebola vaccine. Just on the heels of this, just this week, U.S. licensing live rabies-based Ebola vaccine. Hey, what could go wrong with that? Rabies, Ebola? Two great tastes that taste great together, like the cereal commercial or whatever? I mean, hey, it's, it's an obvious match, a match made in hell. Uh, preparations for pandemic quarantine stations and injury fund. Just in time for the most recent outbreak of Ebola in Africa, which potentially has already spread into North America via Canada. That was a news story we saw last week that they kind of haven't said a whole lot about. The National Institute for Health is licensing a rabies-based Ebola vaccine produced by Excel Bio. The trivalent phylovirus vaccine is based on a killed rabies virus, Virons, for use in humans to confer protection from all med- medically relevant phyloviruses and rabies. A live attenuated vaccine have been developed for use in non-human primate populations like monkeys um, in Africa and in in inactivated vaccines have been developed for use in humans. Meaning the virus can be what they call an attenuated virus, meaning the virus has actually been killed and then it's injected into you, or it can be partially attenuated, meaning it's partially killed and injected into you. And this is why so many people that get vaccines get the very thing they're vaccinated from. Because it's partially attenuated. I mean, it's partially killed. There's still live virus in there. Live polio. Live whooping cough. Live diphtheria. Whatever. Wow! How did I get whooping cough when I... Well, because you, you injected the live whooping cough virus into your system through a vaccine, which is terrible. And hey, now you got whooping cough. Imagine that. Proven fact. It happens all the time. Happens in America. Just been happening in California. People that get the vaccines get the very thing they're supposedly vaccinated for, all by design. Basically, what they've done here is to take the rabies virus and alter its, its exterior coating to contain Ebola proteins. Sounds just brilliant to me. I mean, just beyond brilliant. Let's take the rabies virus, alter its exterior coating to contain Ebola proteins. Nothing could go wrong there. So if all works as planned, the person vaccinated is protected from rabies and Ebola. Oh, bless their hearts. They are really looking out for us. We won't have to worry about rabies or Ebola because of their wonderful vaccine. Wow, I am so glad they're on our side. Of course, such things have often unintended consequences. Let's play this short video here from the Potter blog regarding this particularly horrific thing. No. Welcome to the Potter blog site, March 31st, 2014. Today on the Federal Register, the United States government is announcing that they're releasing, giving an exclusive license for a Ebola vaccine based upon the rabies virus. And we have a link to this on our blog post. Okay, now this is straight from the U.S. government from the Federal Register. This isn't like something we're speculating about here. And we go into a little bit of detail and analysis here. Basically, just in time for the most recent outbreak of Ebola in Africa, which potentially has already spread into North America via Canada, the National Institutes for Health is licensing a rabies-based Ebola vaccine produced by Excel Bio. Um, 
And the way this rabies-based virus uh, vaccine works is they take the rabies virus and they modify the exterior coating surrounding that virus. It's called an envelope to include uh, Ebola proteins. And then they make two versions of it. Uh, one is a killed virus, which they're planning on giving to humans, and they believe it will confer protection from all medically relevant uh, phytoviruses and rabies. And then there's a live attenuated version, uh, which they're going to give to uh, non-human primates. So, you know, if it all works as planned, the person va- who's vaccinated is going to be protected from rabies and Ebola. Of course, such things often have unintended consequences. And we'll make a wager that giving live attenuated Ebola-modified rabies vaccines to wild, non-human primates in Africa may result in some unusual and deadly selection pressures. Like like the little uh, monkey's body being the actual incubation chamber for that live Ebola-slash-rabies vaccine to actually be the incubation, his body being the incubation chamber to actually produce some... <clears throat> modified form of this that's easily transmissible from human to human. Oh boy, we we messed up and, and that just happened and, and we're really sorry. We're sorry there's this worldwide pandemic, but you know, we, we had to kind of experiment and do our little witch doctor stuff and Dr. Frankenstein stuff in our laboratory and things got out of hand and you know, I'm sorry there's millions and millions of people dead now, but uh, those are the breaks. Now, the other thing to be aware of here is that this isn't just a standalone situation. Uh, as we've blogged about recently, the U.S. government is, is showing a major concern for a devastating zero-day pandemic exploit. Uh, this has started in, in basically around the time H7N9 uh, started wearing itself. But uh, basically the U.S. government has done five things recently. Uh, again, they've released uh, more federal contracts in support of these things. Uh, the Centers for Disease Control is upgrading capacity and capability at quarantine stations throughout the United States. The United States government is prepping the uh, CDC and HHS and others to relocate and continue operations within 12 hours of their primary operation locations being wiped out. The United States government is also now maintaining a year-round stockpile of vaccine-producing eggs for the sole purpose of rapidly responding to zero-day threats. And uh, as part of that, they're going to also be continuously producing candidate vaccines throughout the year. Now, this most heavily hits for flu-based, pandemic flu-based viruses, is basically the ability to try to respond as fast as possible. Uh, CDC has also accepted an unsolicited proposal from Genentech for a nationwide proprietary antiviral distribution network. And the United States government is tying in all pandemic operations and public health operations across all levels of government with law enforcement via the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Basically going through state fusion centers, it's just a big old C4ISR compilation of, of capability that uh, type of thing that hasn't been seen or tried in an organization since uh, since the government started getting ready for World War One, basically. But 
Yeah, the only thing we really know for sure is that the biomedical industry is getting a lot of money and near-term job security thrown at it via taxpayer dollars. And the important thing to remember is that kind of money is not spent with some sort of medical mandate being forced upon the citizenry. And even though we haven't talked about it yet in our blog post... Meaning they're, they're not going to spend that kind of money and, not, and have all of these things in place from a military, industrial, pharmacological complex unless they are going to eventually mandate something on the population, meaning you supposedly won't be able to refuse whatever they tell you you have to take because you wouldn't want to put the rest of the population at risk. Well, the whole thing with that is that if your supposedly whiz-bang vaccine protects the person, why would it matter if somebody didn't take it? Because they shouldn't have to worry about getting it. I mean, it, or the, the person that got the vaccine shouldn't have to worry about getting infected once they got the whiz-bang vaccine, right? It's, it's all of this logic in reverse, but it's, it's like this big brother type of brainwashing. Um, just today, in another uh, Federal Register notice, the um, United States government is uh, basically setting out the rules and regulations by which they will uh, reimburse people from injuries related to uh, pandemics via government forced action. We'll put a link up to that in our uh, blog post here in a minute. Okay, so that's that video. <clears throat> now again, <clears throat> the thing with this last part of this study is to look at this whole thing about the Ebola, about the outbreak movie, about what we just saw. They're, they're developing a rabies-based Ebola vaccine. I mean, what? <laughs> like, you know, two of the most deadly things on the planet. Oh, it's a great combo. They're buddies. Why not combine them in one vaccine to confer protection upon the populace? And we all know that they're always after our best interest. So let's look at this even further. This is from National Geographic News. This was published October 27, 2010, and it's entitled Zombie Virus, Possible Via Rabies Flu Hybrid. Mm. In the zombie flicks, 28 days later in I Am Legend, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, an unstoppable viral plague sweeps across humanity. Remember predictive programming, the Illuminati telegraphing their punches? There's been so many of these shows, I would it would take a whole other study to list them and to do a brief synopsis on all of the other um, movies or miniseries that have been created in order to just cover all of the shows about these potential pandemic outbreaks. Again, a lot of predictive programming here. A lot of money spent by good old Hollywood in order to condition us into this mindset. And it always involves martial law and vaccines and, and the government coming to the rescue invariably. So, <clears throat> and the, these are the very people, though, that wanted to populate the planet and kill everybody. Huh. Wow, wow, well. Anyway, um, <clears throat> and, and these shows, 28 Days Later, and I Am Legend, and an unstoppable viral plague sweeps across humanity, transforming people into mindless monsters with cannibalistic tendencies. Other than that, they're, they're fine. They're good guys. Uh, certain viruses can induce such aggressive zombie-like behavior. Scientists say in the new National Geographic Channel documentary, the truth behind zombies, premiering Saturday at 10 p.m. Now, this was, remember, 2010. 
For instance, rabies, a viral disease that infects the central nervous system, can drive people to be violently mad. According to Samita Andronowski, a virologist at the University of Miami's Miller School of Medicine in Florida, who also appears in the documentary, um, you combine rabies with the ability of a flu virus to spread quickly through the air, and you might have the markings of a zombie apocalypse. Hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, so now we look at... Let's let's look at this a little bit more, like a zombie apocalypse. If... Oh, I'm sorry. I've talked about the subject of zombies, okay, as of late. I give you a link to... You can go up to my website and key in zombie, or I give you a link here you can click on. And all of the all of the reports I've done really in the last couple years on this whole zombie theme and what type of information are they trying to telegraph to us? How does that figure into the potential for vaccines? Okay. Um, you got The Walking Dead being like the number one show on AMC. You've got so many zombie movies that have come out as well. Not only outbreak pandemic movies, but also zombie movies. So, again, there's reasons behind all of this. Satan doesn't spend this kind of, of money through his minions for no reason. So, going further. Unlike movie zombies, which become reanimated almost immediately after infection, the first signs of a human, first signs a human has rabies, such as anxiety, confusion, hallucinations, and paralysis, don't typically appear for 10 days to a year as the virus incubates inside the body. Once rabies sets in, though, it's fatal within a week if left untreated. Um, If the genetic code of the rabies virus experienced enough changes or mutations, its incubation time could be reduced dramatically, though, scientists say. Many viruses have high mutation rates and constantly change as a means of evading or bypassing the defenses of their hosts. I think this is the reason, the excuse that they'll end up using Okay, for this mutation that happened through nature when the reality is it was engineered in a laboratory and they knew exactly what they're doing. There are various ways of viral mutations can occur. For example, through copying mistakes by gene replication or damage from ultraviolet light. Um, if the rabies virus can mutate fast enough, it could cause an infection within an hour or a few hours. That's entirely plausible, this Andronowski scientist lady said. So let's go further now. Let's go a little bit further, and let's look at a a report that I did cover before. Move this. Just moving some pictures around here. Um, And the report is entitled, Vaccine Warfare, Texas Airdrops, Rabies Vaccines, Packets, Over a 7,000 Square Mile Area. Now, I reported on this before, but I'm going to read reiterate this article. This is from January 19th, 2012, so a little over two years ago on uh, Natural News. The weaponization of vaccines just took another leap forward in America. With the recent airdropping of rabies vaccines, by the, I mean, how often do people get rabies? Why, why are we talking so much about rabies? Why are we having so much things about rabies produce the same symptoms as the zombies get? Why are they talking so much about this stuff? Why is it so much... Why are we talking about combining an Ebola protein virus on top of the rabies and, and, and putting that in a vaccine? Who, who is the brilliant one that thought of this? Satan. I think we can give Satan the credit. The weaponization of vaccines just took another leap forward. 
in America. With the recent airdropping of rabies vaccine packets by the Texas Department of State Health Services, using a battery of small planes based out of Del Rio. Now, they did this in other parts of the country, too. I'm pretty sure they did it up here, too, in North Carolina. Maybe not as grand of a scale, but they did. Using a battery of small planes based out of Del Rio, Texas, recently dropped 1.8 million edible vaccine packets over a 7,700 square miles of rural Texas. And they are tempting. I mean, I was out in the wild and I saw one of these, and it was everything I could do not to eat the thing. I mean, they're tempting. No, just kidding, sorry. Anyway, the packets contain edible rabies vaccines dipped in fish oil and coated with fish meal to entice foxes and coyotes to eat them. Because why? Because they care so much about the natural wildlife. Or are they trying to change the DNA? Are they trying to fundamentally defile the DNA and and, and infect these creatures with the rabies vaccine for the appointed time? Whenever then maybe they, they want to chemtrail some binary agent that will combine and then complete the, um, the viral rep- replication process via chemtrails or some other thing they drop out of the sky. Who knows? But I know I don't trust them. Okay? So, the packets contain um, these things. Uh, once consumed, the animal is, quote, vaccinated against rabies. Researchers claim, and they show a couple pictures here of these vaccination packets. <clears throat> of course, what these researchers don't yet understand in their scientific ignorance and arrogance, oh, I think they understand it quite perfectly, but is that they are also engaged in a rabies DNA slash RNA bombardment of, of Texas. Now, RNA is ribonucleic acid, okay? You, we always hear of DNA with, like, the genetics, but the RNA is, is like, its counterpart, the ribonucleic acid. Anyway, so they're engaged in a rabies DNA RNA bombardment of Texas. As even the Institute of Medicine has admitted, the MMR vaccine, which is also one of those cultured off the board babies, measles, mumps, rubella, uh, for use in humans actually causes the measles because of the vaccines contain live viral strains meaning they're partially attenuated, meaning the measles virus is partially killed because, see, we, we know what's best for you. We want to give you a little bit of measles because, you know, you, you'll, you'll have better, you, you'll, you'll do better with that, even though you're probably, you're, you have a high chance of actually getting the measles from that. Vaccine manufacturing is, con- is conducted under such poor quality control today that vaccines are routinely shipped out the door containing viable viral strains that often infect and sometimes kill its human victims. For example, in 2009, Baxter Pharmaceuticals was caught red-handed shipping out live avian flu viruses to 18 countries. Now, I reported on that. If you probably key in Baxter in the keyword search box, I, I reported on that at length. Uh, what the Texas Department of State health workers probably don't yet grasp is that the vaccine manufacturers routinely use vaccines to spread the very disease they are claiming they are preventing by injecting live rabies strains into a small percentage of the vaccines dropped on Texas, let's say 1%, they are effectively engaging in a DNA carpet bombing run that will absolutely guarantee rabies continues to remain endemic throughout the feral animal populations of the state. So remember, they create the problem and then they give us the solution. This whole Hegelian dialectic, okay, that the Illuminati is based on. This, of course, will result in yet more rabies vaccines being purchased to combat the problem. Again, their solution. 
thereby achieving the goal of the entire scam to sell more vaccines to the government. I, I don't know. I've seen enough to know that I think they really want to have rabies as a major player in whatever they're getting ready to unleash on humanity globally. Seems like rabies is really at the forefront there for them, and possibly Ebola, and some type of bird flu, swine flu variant. This airdropping of vaccines over Texas is all part of the militarization of the modern medicine taking place today. In just the past few months, we've seen the AMA calling for mandatory participation in vaccine trials, where you would be volunteered by the government to be injected with an experimental vaccine at the threat of arrest if you don't want to do it. Okay, going further, I'm sorry to make some corrections with my PDF. We've also seen cases where the police have called and CPS workers threatened to take children away from parents who refuse to vaccinate their children, you know, because you're only a bad parent if you would do such a thing. Now, uh, in response to this, I always get, well, what can we do about it? Well, I give you some, some resources here. Um, one link is entitled How to Legally Avoid Unwanted Immunizations of All Kind. Another one from the Vaccine Information Center, State Immunization Exemption Laws. There's a link there. And then the Liberty Council, which is where if you've literally got a, a legal issue where these remedies aren't working, the, Le- the Liberty Council, um, based out of Orlando, Florida, actually used to treat Matt Stavers, uh, who's the guy who's the head of it, his sister was a patient of mine back in Fort Myers. Anyway, um, anyway, I give you their number and their email address. And then the Immunization Resource Guide, where to find answers to all your questions about childhood immunizations. I want to give you a whole bunch of resources here in case you know one doesn't work. And then the product NDF Plus, which would be if I could only put somebody on one product for dealing with the damage of the uh, vaccines that they cause. This would probably be the one. It also helps to detox the system. And um, this is, if I could only use one product, it'd be this one. And I have nothing, you know, no vested interest in the company, but it's uh, put out by a company called BioRay. And I give you a link here to their um, website. And it helps with heavy metal exposure, uh, mercury amalgam fillings as well. And um, it's it's a really good product. So uh, they've got a lot of before and after where they've actually used it on autistic children that were damaged from the vaccines because that's the that's the thing that causes autism essentially. That in combination with other things, but autism wasn't even on the radar until the modern day advent of mass vaccinations. Um, so and it's just going up exponentially every year. It just they just came out with the new stats and it's you know one in I don't know every 60-some children now, and that's what they're admitting to. So let's go further, because I'm running out of time here. The Bill Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has already conducted bizarre experiments on genetically engineered mosquitoes that can carry vaccines to be silently injected into unsuspecting humans and have also heavily invested in a covert vaccination technology that could vaccinate you with a spray mist used at airport security checkpoints. And we know Bill and Melinda Gates have our best interests in mind. They've given billions to the UN depopulation programs. Their total globalist devils that want to basically, you know, wipe out at 90 plus percent of the population. They've made no bones about that. They're, they've been pretty free with that. And, and um, you know, they're just pure evil. So 
As these examples show, vaccines are increasingly being used in the context of weapons, airdropped, covertly injected, or even forcibly injected at gunpoint. These are signs of a system of medicine that operates like a police state, where people are stripped of their rights and freedoms for the good of society. The individual is sacrificed, in other words, to serve the interests of the state. Such a philosophy is fully consistent with the entire history of the secret government-funded medical experiments against blacks, like against the blacks in Tuskegee, the Tuskegee Airmen, where they gave them syphilis, and then they never gave them any cure for it, and they all they ended up developing tertiary syphilis, which is where your brain essentially liquefies, and you go totally stark, raving nuts crazy. Yeah, yeah, they did that to the Tuskegee Airmen. And also the things they've done, I mean... There's been so many things. There's a, there's a link here to Guatemalan prisoner medical experiments and even criminal medical experiments involving Dr. Jonas Salk and the polio vaccine. Like everybody thinks that's such a great thing, so many. Uh, here's a list, and there's links to all of these stories here. Here's a list of just a few criminal, inhumane medical experiments that have been conducted on innocent people by the U.S. government. Here's a list. You can click on the link and go through all these wonderful things our government's done to humanity. All this adds up to classic eugenics. Uh, especially given that vaccines in humans are strongly tied to a lifelong infertility, which, again, they're accomplishing not only defiling of your DNA, on what level I don't even know, um, making you sick and weak, making, you know, obviously affecting brain function, obviously affecting a lot of different processes in the body, but they also make you infertile, which also accomplishes their depopulation plan. Also, how many years it's knocking off your life, who knows? Uh, they also cause spontaneous abortions, which is another whole huge thing with the, um, with the uh, uh, obviously, the depopulation agenda. And massive birth defects, which, again, they love to create, Satan loves to create suffering any way he can do it, so birth defects as well. It's all part of the human depopulation agenda that Bill Gates has openly admitted to in his public speeches about reducing world population with the help of vaccines. And he said that, um, there's a link here where you can go, I believe, hear him talk about that. He actually, they caught him on film. I believe it was that TED thing that they have once a year. And so now we look at, okay, I Am Legend, the movie with Will Smith and the depopulation agenda. The film I Am Legend foresees the following. Massive population reduction, the planned release of a mega plague under the disguise, under the disguise of a miracle cure, a military quarantine, engineered to maximize, not minimize the death toll, okay, meaning they, the military quarantine basically are trying to herd everybody, you know, together in these cities and making sure the maximum amount of people die, a genetically re-engineered human race, okay, and the rise of a false savior that will seek to restore humanity with his own blood and death, which is a playoff on the, a blasphemous playoff on the blood of Jesus Christ, which is what ultimately ended that saved the world in I Am Legend. So, um, let's listen to my short presentation I did on this as PowerPoint. Just for, for about 2 minutes and 40 seconds, I get into the I Am Legend movie. Okay, I kind of apologize. There's a little bit of background, like just hum in the background. It's only about a 2 minute and 40 second clip. Uh, I, this is uh, my avian flu vaccinations part 11 uh, up on YouTube, and um, now we're going to talk about I Am Legend here. Now, the next movie we're going to look at is the I Am Legend movie, starring Will Smith. This is a gig very, very big budget film that uh, recently 
premiered here. And description of this movie would would read as follows. After the outbreak of a lethal vaccine-induced virus. Now that's... I inserted that part in because essentially at the start of the show they're interviewing this doctor, lady, and she has developed a cure for cancer that is 100% cure for cancer. They haven't had over 10,000 people that they've tried it on. Not one didn't work on. And she describes it as a virus that instead of being a bad guy virus, it's a good guy virus. She describes them as a good cop virus. And in the, in the body, this has this wonderful effect on preventing cancer. In the movie, the virus itself mutates, and it is a mutation that mimics some kind of freak mutation of measles and rabies. There we go with rabies again! Imagine that! The people that are infected in the movie, the ones that have survived, the ones that aren't dead, are all like rabies-infested, zombie-like creatures that cannot go out in the day. It's like they're all totally infected with, like, they would be like a bunch of rabid dog rabies people, that, that they, but they just live and keep living and keep living, and are just out to, to kill any type of food source that they can kill when they go out and roam around at night. Okay, so here we get this rabies thing again. And ultimately, it ends up wiping out most of the planet. I'll go back to this <clears throat> excerpt. It says, in 2012, so this is three years later, Army virologist Lieutenant Colonel Robert Neville is left as one of the last healthy humans on Earth. He is one of the few survivors of a biochemical virus induced initially via a cancer vaccine. For three years, Neville's been trying to discover a cure for this disease and to find out if any other people might have also survived. The vaccine virus has killed the vast majority of the planet and transformed all the remaining infected survivors into mutant victims of the plague. Again, what are they trying to telegraph to us here? Uh, you've got the vast majority of the planet wiped out. Now, from a biblical standpoint, that's not going to happen. But this is, again, a... a Propaganda of fear and... Okay, meaning that there's no Bible to say that we're going to have, like, you know, 99% of the population wiped out prior to the tribulation even starting, is, is the point I was trying to make there. ...in chaos and this type of thing. And this virus, which is initially going to be introduced through this wonderful vaccine, which is how basically all vaccines are presented, is going to essentially kill the vast majority of people on the planet. The ones that are infected and do live turn into these mutant creatures that are essentially like zombie-slash-monsters, and then you have less than far less than 1% of the population left who are immune to this, and most of them are eaten by these mutants, and the small remaining few that survive are, are the ones that, you know, supposedly the only hope for the planet. Okay, so that was, that was a description there. Uh, <laughs> so I, I wanted to just kind of give you this big synopsis on, wow, let's look at this in totality. This whole thing with Ebola, the rabies viruses, all of this propaganda that we've had, and, and, and I'm, I'm only scratching the surface, okay? I mean, I, I probably could go into this much greater detail, but for the sake of time, you know, this is, this is about the best I could come up with, but it's, uh, it's pretty heavy duty, this information. Now, the next thing, vaccine for rabies the vaccines for rabies and their diabolical ingredients. 
Emovax, which is a vaccine for rabies, is produced by Aventus Pasteur and harvested from infected human diploid cells. Oh, good. So, aborted babies is what they're saying. Which, which strain of aborted babies? Well, it's the MRC-5 strain. And if you look up this vaccine in the PDF, the physician's desk reference, it will, it will tell you that it was produced from infected human diploid cells, and it'll tell you the same thing, and this is, will give you this description. The MRC-5 strain is the actual baby that they got the um, infected rabies strain from that was aborted. Okay, So that's where that one comes from. And then we also have this one, the rabies vaccine absorbed by Smith-Klein-Beecham Pharmaceuticals, produced using beta propiolactone, which I didn't even know what that was, and so I looked it up. Here's what beta propiolactone is. It is one of 13 of the 13 OSHA-regulated carcinogens. Chemicals regarded, regarded occupational carcinogens, meaning cancer-causing, by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Despite not having an established permissible Exposure limit, meaning they don't even know what's safe. They know it's carcinogenic, but they don't even know what the permissible exposure limit is. It's so it's so toxic and it's so cancer causing. It was once widely used in the manufacture of acrylic acid and its esters, but its use has been mostly phased out in favor of safer and less expensive alternatives. Now they just use it in like vaccines and in other things in the medical industry. So that's another one of the main ingredients in this new. Um, this, this Smith-Klein-Beecham rabies vaccine. Uh, so it's got that ingredient. It also has aluminum phosphate. Aluminum plaques up the brain and, and uh, causes Alzheimer's and all kind of other horrific things in the body. And um, sodium ethyl mercurothiosylate. Mercura. What's that? Mercury. Thermarazole. Mercury. One of the most deadliest substances you could... You don't even want to break a mercury thermometer and let it sit on your palm of your hand. You don't want to do that. It's that dangerous. But it's okay to inject it straight into the bloodstream and to give dosages to little children that wouldn't even be safe for a 400-pound man. I've, I've got into that before. Because, hey, we're trying to kill the little kitties. We're trying to defile their temples. We're trying to defile them with, with all of this tainted DNA off aborted babies and and, 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 and aluminum and mercury and and all of these other chemicals that are cancer-causing because we want to kill off humanity because we work for Satan and Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy and we are his minions. We do his bidding in the medical cartels and this is what we're all about because we're fun guys. You know, we're neat guys. Yes, we're based out of IG Farben. That was our bedrock. That was our forefathers. And yes, they were the driving force behind Hitler. They were the the main monetary financial source behind Hitler. And yes, without World War II, uh, without IG Farben, World War II would have never happened. But hey, you know, come on. Let's let bygones be bygones. Why can't we all just, you know, get along and be friends? So they, um, okay, so we've got the mercury and then we've got phenol red. Because you need to always have a food coloring in your vaccine because it's important that the vaccine looks good going into the veins, looks good in the syringe being injected into you. It's really important to have that food coloring in there, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's vital. And then what is it grown on? What is this rabies vaccine grown on? Well, it's grown on, and these are always a diseased form 
of this. Fetal Reese's monkey lung cells. That's, that's what they grow it on. Now, the other one was grown off of aborted babies. The strain was MR-5 strain. This one's grown off diseased fetal Reese's monkey lung cells. I'm not making this stuff up. This is out of their product insert. Uh, of, or if you go in the PDR. This is where we get this stuff from. Talk about a witch's brew. Talk about a cursed substance you're literally injecting into your body. You're bypassing all the normal rots your body would, would normally have to identify something like this, like if you inhaled it or ingested it or got it on your skin. No, 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 no. We're going to get right into the old bloodstream. We're going to inject this witch's brew of toxins, this curse. Who knows what kind of curses you're bringing on yourself with this stuff. And this is going to cause a massive autoimmune reaction in the body, which is why we've got all these autoimmune diseases now that hardly existed at all before the modern-day advent of vaccines. But hey, that's all by design. The better to kill you with, my dear. That's their motto. We've already covered this chart, uh, the U.S. government showing major concern for devastating zero-day pandemic. Uh, we, he already went over those in the, in the video that we listened to, but I, I did list it here in the, uh, the PDF. And then if you want to avail yourself to the presentation I did in Wichita, Kansas back in 06, Avion Flu Killer of Millions, I give you a link to that, where you can actually um, watch that. Um, Prophecy Club's always taking it off the uh, <laughs> YouTube, because it's always good to ration the bullets, you know. Not give it freely. Let's rat. we got to make money off off these things. We, we can't give it away for free. Our ministry would go down the tubes if we did such a thing. <laughs> give me a break. Anyway. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, so anyway, you can watch that there if you like, and they'll, they'll probably get to this link too and, and get it down. Good for them, you know. Keep keep going. You're really doing the Lord's service there. Anyway, um, then we have the um, recommended protocol for Ebola and ra- rabies. Uh, again, this if it was me, I have to like give this disclaimer. If this was me, this is what I would do. I'm not advising you. I can't advise you medically because I don't have the magic prescription pad and the white coat and I can't go around and prescribe all type of sorcery like drugs because I'm not a real doctor you know I'm not I'm not that I'm 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 a I'm nothing compared to real medical doctors I'm not saying that emergency medicine and that all medical doctors are evil and that they haven't done a lot of good in regard to emergency medicine and saving lives and things of that nature I'm not saying that you break a bone you do this you do that yeah, that's where you want to be. But it's getting to the point, though, that it, whatever you can do to avoid the hospital, I mean, that's your best bet, if at all possible. Okay, I know there's certain circumstances you really can't. But whatever you can do to take care of yourself, take care of your family, and keep yourself out of this corrupt, evil medical profession, the more you can do along those lines, the better. Okay? For all of the reasons that I just mentioned. <laughs> so... Um, I emailed the owner of Invive, Silver, about this one, about Ebola. And he gave me some recommendations. Um, again, uh, they're under extreme attack right now. Their silver supplier is. 
they are, I don't really know how much longer they're going to be around. Um, they've been under attack for many, many years. And um, by the, the good old three-letter three letter giant. And um, I don't know if, I, I, don't, I don't know how long they're going to be around. Put it this way. And I'm not just saying that to try to generate silver sales, okay? I'm telling you, this is what he's told me, and he never said anything like that to me in the past, ever. I have no 5,000 part per million silver right now at all on my shelves. None. Not one bottle. Okay? So, um, I'm hoping maybe to get a resupply this week, but you can get it off my website, off the, the, um, the, uh, what is it? www.dr-symbol-johnson.com um, You can get off there. Uh, it's still going through the Invive factory, like it's always done. Uh, it's just that how long they're going to be able to do that, I don't know. It, it doesn't look good. It, it, it's like their days are numbered. I mean, unless God intervenes. Now, I'm not saying God couldn't intervene, and if, if you pray about this and God couldn't... But... Um, the government's ruthless. This product is a huge threat to whatever they would have planned for the future of humanity. They don't want you to be able to try to look to any other avenue as a cure. They want you to go to them to get their vaccine or whatever their remedy. And just like it's good it was in, in the Spanish flu of 1918-1919, it's going to be the very thing that perpetuates it. So... And I got into that in the presentation here. Um, Ebola also was originally known as Marburg virus disease. Okay, when when it was first discovered, they were indistinguishable. Okay, the two. So it's listed under Marburg virus disease on the website at, that I just gave you, and I also list the website up here on the PDF on page nineteen. So uh, let me see what my time is here. Okay. Um, Ebola virus was first introduced as a possible new strain of Marburg virus in 1977 by two different research teams. This is referenced. I have little links there you can click on. At the same time, a third team produced, introduced the name Ebola virus, so they're indistinguishable. The protocol um, invived 5,000 mild silver protein. When combating an advancing presentation of Ebola within the subject individual, it is mandatory to maintain a steady state, meaning a you want to maintain the bloodstream at a, at a level of, of silver in your bloodstream of 15 cc's or 3 teaspoons of 5,000 ppm every 4 hours. Six times a day for adults of 120 pounds and up, but reduced for children via percentage of their body weight in relation to 120 pounds. This is listed here. Okay? Um, so... Basically, three teaspoons every four hours if you had Ebola. Okay, six times a day. Uh, obviously, it's good to, to already have a strong immune system so that if you contract anything like this, you would already have a good foundational base, and that would consist of like a good whole food vitamin C like Innate Response Formulas has. Their, their C400 is about the best one I've ever seen. Uh, um maintaining good calcium levels in the bloodstream, which actually feeds white blood cells, helps them get to wherever they're trying to go. It actually gives them the fuel to get to where they're trying to go. Zinc is very important, and selenium is very important for um, um, your immune system. 
Um, selenium, innate makes a very, very good selenium. Innate response formulas. Uh, Standard Process makes a good zinc, zinc liver chelate. I'm not saying these are the these are the brands I deal with the professional line. I'm not saying you couldn't find them, but try to make sure that if you get something, it's a whole food version, and that's what's hard to find. Whole food versions of minerals and vitamins. Most of them are synthetic, just like drugs. They're synthetic. They're made in gigantic drums, and then then supplement companies get them and cross combine them and make their vitamin formulations. And it, it's like they're drugs. It's like they're a variation of that. It's not the way God produced them. It's not the way they occur in nature. And I try to stick as close to that as I possibly can. So, um, anyway. <clears throat> um, let's see. There was a note here. Found This was found in... The Ebola was found in lab workers handling tissue and cell cultures from African green monkeys. Uh, one fourth died between the eighth and the sixteenth days of the illness if not treated. Now, I, you know, hopefully Ebola never gets here, and this is a non-factor, but with all of this stuff going on right now, I figured this was a good time to introduce this. I've never actually talked about a protocol for this, and I don't know what they're going to try to pull, you know? I mean, it sure happened in the, the film outbreak, and, and that's so eerily similar to what could happen here, uh, for all of the reasons that I've mentioned. And then this whole thing with the rabies thing, that's a whole other uh macabre twist to this, you know, puzzle here. Now, for rabies, I have, go go to my website and click on the doctor's desk reference tab. And, and in that, there's protocols for, like, hundreds and hundreds of different things, okay? I didn't put those protocols up there. Invive did, okay? This is from their experience. This is from their experience working with different medical doctors that they've worked with over the years, if you go to the doctor's desk reference tab at www.doctor-johnson.com dash symbol, rabies is the first protocol listed under the letter R. Okay? Now, my comment on this, I do not agree with the vaccine listed for that protocol, for rabies, on, on that website, for the reasons we just listed in this document regarding the baby. They're saying... In the protocol, do the rabies serum and the rabies vaccine. Well, obviously, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and turn around and say, yeah, get the rabies vaccine and do the Invive Silver. How could I possibly do that? I mean, it would be like the most gigantic hypocrite on the planet. Remember, the Vive put the site up for me, and that's what's up there. Okay, now, I believe that those recommendations were put there by Invive to appease the FDA. Okay, there's certain things they have to put, and or certain things they can't list on the bottle. There's certain things they have to put up in order to appease the FDA and all of their other alphabet um, forms of the government that are that are trying to come after companies like Invive. For the reasons we have previously stated, it is apparent that whatever the government offers as a solution or a cure may be much worse than the disease. Okay, so. Um, I give you the links to these things, uh, the truth about mild silver protein, um, and the rebuttals of promoters' misinformation, because there's so much, and then actual mild silver protein scientific medical studies. Um, in the March 1978 issue of Science Digest, an article, Our Mightiest Germ Fighter reported an antibiotic kills perhaps a half a dozen different diseases, organisms, but silver kills some 650. Resistant strains fail to develop, meaning they can't mutate like they can with antibiotics or other antiviral drugs where they mutate and it comes back way worse than, you know, the original strain. So, 
Um, that's basically... Let me just click on one other thing here. Because it's kind of in that same same question or category. Um, under, let's see... Um, proactive measures in the event of a pandemic. Okay, I'm going to list these guidelines as well. I'm just going to copy and paste this from the Word document I have. Uh, I've listed this before, but this would just be if there was a pandemic. Let's say it wasn't Ebola. Let's say it wasn't rabies. Okay, what would you do? Okay, so these are my suggested therapeutic dosing guidelines. Okay, um, I'm going to go ahead and just post that right here in with this information, just so you have it. Um, just so if, if you want to, you could print this out and then cross-reference it in the future. I mean, you know, God forbid we have to utilize any of this, uh, any of this stuff, but you know, they've, they've, this has been a long time coming with one of these pandemics and, you know, I don't know how or exactly it's going to go down. I'm just trying to give you, my listeners, the best educated guess I can give you, um, I've probably devoted more time to this aspect of things through the avion flu presentation and things I've done than almost any other aspect of this ministry. Uh, so, I just wanted to give you a general overview of things on this. Now, um, that's pretty much all I've got for today. And I will go ahead and end us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, this time you've let us come together again. I thank you, Lord, for, for um, letting me get this teaching up there. I, I pray that it be a blessing to the hearer. I do pray, God, that the body of Christ would be forewarned, forearmed with whatever tools they that they need, Lord, in order to endure the things to come. I realize, Lord, that you can protect us from all of these things without any of these things that I've even said. Miles over protein or any of these things. Um, the most important thing, Lord, I know is to be right with you. I just pray that... that um, you help us, Lord, regarding the times that we're moving into, that you give us discernment, wisdom, knowledge, divine foreknowledge, Lord, of the things that we need to do to prepare. And Lord, if it's nothing more than for to take care and help other people when that disaster, which is inevitably going to come in some way, shape, or form, Lord, when it comes, that you use us mightily for your glory, and that you would use the body of Christ mightily, Lord God, to lead many people to the Lord, that many people would get saved. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.